You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, brought to you by Savage Arms and the new shotgun from Savage, the Renegade. At the core of the Renegade is an industry-first patented dual-valve self-regulating gas system made to cycle higher power loads with the same reliable consistency as lower power target loads, all while cutting down on recoil. Now, this the shotgun is ergonomic. It's well-balanced. It has a patented stock pad that knocks down recoil. And definitely check out the information about the, the dual valve gas system that uh, allows for this consistency, right? Uh, there is so many cool, creative things that Savage has done with this shotgun. If you want to learn more about the Renegade, visit savagearms.com slash Renegade. Welcome back to the Hunting Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and today joining me is my co-host, Bob Polanik, and the main topic is optics. Today we talk about binoculars, we talk about rangefinders, we talk about spotting scopes, and kind of how we go about choosing them, right? How we made the decision of what magnification to buy, what brand to buy, um, what our likes and dislikes are about binoculars. And then also we talk about how we use them, how we use spotting scopes, how we use our range finders, how we use our binoculars. And it's just a well-rounded discussion about optics. Now, before we get carried away here, I do have to say that the podcast itself, to get to the main topic of today's show in a roundabout way, we had a really good BS session before we get to the main topic, but uh, we had to get in what we are looking at buying before the season starts, what we have already purchased um, before the season starts and, uh, how we go about maybe budgeting and saving our money. So, uh, it's a really good BS session first. Then we get into the topic of optics. Hopefully you guys are enjoying these podcasts. And and what I will say is if you guys want us to cover a specific brand or category, and even in the world of firearms, this doesn't have to be, uh, you know, specific to bow hunting, anything, 
send me a DM through Nine Finger Chronicles on Instagram, and I will be more than happy to look into that stuff for you guys. And if you have any questions about the products that we talk about, hit up Bob or myself, and uh, we will definitely do what we can to help you. There's a lot of other good information in this podcast today about maybe if you're looking for a cheaper you know, you have a product, but you don't want to pay the full price for it. How you might be able to save some money on products uh, by going direct to the manufacturer, uh, maybe testing the product out in a box store and uh, going somewhere else to buy it. So just some just some quick tips and tra- uh, tactics there. But uh, I've been talking long enough, so let's get into today's episode. In three, two, one, Mr. Bob Polanik. How the hell are you? I'm doing just fine, Dan. How are you? Oh, I'm tired of shit. I'm not gonna lie. I uh, I didn't get done working last night till about midnight, and then you know when when you finally fall asleep, and then um, my son, the human tornado, woke up at about four thirty this morning. So I'm sitting right at about four hours of sleep, give or take, this morning before he ended up. Uh, coming to and when he wakes up he doesn't just like he doesn't just like exist he, chill out right in the morning he begins his feeding and <laughs> it's nuts because the dude just eats we have to keep him out of like the refrigerator because every once in a while he'll get into the freezer and he'll just chew on frozen waffles ah <laughs> nice yeah so <laughs> he's like a little mouse but right. or I should say he's more like a rat, right? You just <laughs> anyway, I'm tired as shit. And uh, today's podcast, we're going to be talking about optics. But um, before we get into the main topic, I want to I want to chit chat a little bit about some of the other products uh, that you have, because we haven't really chit chatted specifically this year about any new purchases or new products you have coming your way. Uh, I, I know through text messages, you've received some of them or you have some of them still on their way, but what are some of the products that you have purchased this year or you're going to be getting this year? Um, let's give a rundown. So, um, see, I got, I'm getting a new tent. Um, just something that, uh, I, for elk hunting, basically, um, something that, uh, I've got a three person tent right now and it's lightweight. It's like five pounds, but, um, it's just, doesn't keep you warm. If there's a good draft coming down the mountain and you're like set up camp at the base of it or anything like, or if it's just windy at all. So, um, but that's coming. Um, a new bow is coming. Um, and then with that, I went with a Matthews VXR 31 and a half. So, so you're you're a Matthews guy now, huh? Uh, I always have been. Always, okay. Always, yeah. I've had I've had two or three. I've always kind of bought, uh, used. Like the first one I bought, I don't know, it was like a decade ago. I bought that used, um, and that was like a solo cam, you know, back in the day. Yeah. And then I bought a Chill R, which I think was a 2014 model. And I actually bought it in 2015. It was new, but it was at the archery shop that. I was working part time at, and I worked for two months um, at this archery shop in August and September. I worked every other weekend, like three days a week, 
they paid me eight dollars an hour and that <laughs> that paid for that bow that's all nice. i got out of that i mean i learned how to the whole reason i got the job is because i just wanted to um shoot bows learn how to work on them and stuff like that so yeah it was really it was to this day it's the favorite job i've ever had yeah so i dude i have um, a lot of friends who pick up part-time jobs at either box stores or archery shops for two reasons one like you just said to learn how to work on equipment and the other is to get big discounts on gear yep yep um with that new bow, um, we had, I went with new arrows. I went with Black Eagle arrows. Um, they're a little heavier. They're like 10 grains per inch. And then um, new broadheads I went with. At ATA, I uh, stopped over at a booth. And I had, they had kind of been on my radar. They're called Iron Will broadheads. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. I went with those. Um, what else is going to go on with that whole setup? I don't think much else as far as a bow goes. You know, obviously new quiver rest all that stuff so um, you don't what are you doing with your old rest so for me whenever i get a new bow i just move my old rest onto my new bow i'm i'm keeping my old bow oh it's okay always been, yep it's always been a dream of mine to keep um my old to, to have two bows and to uh yeah kind of have a backup right so all the out-of-state hunting i do if anything ever happened I feel as though I could call my wife or my dad and say, there's a bow sitting in a bow, just grab the bow case, go to UPS, overnight it, I don't care what it costs. Yeah. Um, and then you're just, within a day or two, you're back up and hunting. Instead of like, I don't know what you would do if you broke a limb or something like that on a out-of-state hunt. Yeah. So, I don't know, it's kind of just been a backup plan. Um, I've listened to Donnie Vincent on a lot of podcasts. And uh, he always has this motto, um, if you have one, you have none. If you have two, you have one. Yeah. So, but that's, I mean, he's doing way more intense hunts, you know? Oh, yeah. So. I tell um, you, I, I personally, this year, it's a goal of mine to have a backup bow. Well, I don't really want to call it a backup bow because I have two different bows that I'm thinking about using this year. One is going to be my Western setup where I'm going to probably have a, um, a single pin dial sight, And then my, I guess, tree stand whitetail bow, which is going to be a, a multiple, multiple pin sight. And so I'm thinking I'm going to give that a try. I'm going to set up two bows. I'm in the process of it right now, but I have to, uh, I have to get my arrows still yet. But, uh, I think, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I should be shooting the same thing, but my whole theory behind that is, is single pin, uh, out West, you, can just you know you have time to range maybe you have to and go to specific distances and, and ranges and whatnot and, and do that we're in the whitetail woods i'm so close that i need to make decisions immediately i may not have time to range so therefore i've already ranged the trees in the area and when the deer comes through i just have to you know put the best pin on him so to speak yep i hear you i agree with that i um I don't know. There's a like I, I did get a new site for that that bow too, which um I actually got a custom black gold. So like I think it's a five pin, 
um, no slide or anything like that. But like the first two pins are like the point zero one nine inch optic. Yeah. And then the last three pins are the point zero one zero inch optic. So, um, and on my pins, I've always set them up 20, 40, 50, 60, 80 is how, and I do a lot of, I like to like gap shoot kind of, you yeah, know? Yeah. So, and it's always worked out for me. I've, I've not had any accuracy issues. I hear a lot of stuff about target panic and stuff like that. And, uh, knock on wood, I have not had any issues. So, yeah. Um, how much yeah. did that site run you? Oh, dude, it was expensive. It was Ooh. like 275 bucks cause it was custom. Jesus. Yeah, it was bad, but I'm, it's for, for me, that bow, I won't get another new bow for another five years probably. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. So you kind of went big this year. Yeah. Well, and I, I don't know. I, I probably shouldn't say this, but like, I don't know if you have a social media platform, which we do, and you're doing something like this, which we are, you can kind of contact some of these bow companies or camo companies or whatever. And you, you can ask them for like a pro form. So I was able to get a, a decent discount on that bow. Um, and I know I wanted to go with Matthews at ATA. I shot all sorts of different bows and, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't want to call myself a fanboy Cause I think that there are so <laughs> many awesome bows out there right. right now, but I just like, so with that VXR, you can kind of switch the, you can switch the draw weight super easy. You don't need a bow press or anything like that. You can just switch a mod out and you can go from shooting. Uh, you can put a 75 pound mods in it. You can put 70 pound mods in it, 60 and you don't, you have no bow presses necessary. So, um, that's kind of why I went with it. Cause I'm going to try to shoot heavier poundage for an elk hunt and then, uh, probably dial it back for whitetails. Okay. So, but, yeah. um, go ahead. I was going to say that's, uh, that's, uh, pretty crazy, man. I'm, I'm trying to, I don't know if I have it in the budget to spend any more money on hunting gear this year after, you know, I'm going to talk when, once you're done. Uh, but man, my budget's starting to get tight this year and I don't, I, I want things, but I know I don't need things. Right. Correct. So I, I'm, I'm in the same boat, man. I, I did not need, I did not need a new bow. Yeah. Um, it's just a want. And yeah, with the, with the discount, it's kind of, it was definitely a hard sell with the wife because she does, she knows I don't need a new bow. So, yeah. um, but yeah, other than that, um, uh, I got a new spotting scope and then what other hunting gear? That's kind of about it. Kind of set for everything else. I would, I would say. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and I think I told you on a previous, uh, podcast about my debacle with my site last year where that, uh, pin, that screw came loose and um the i couldn't get it i didn't know about that particular screw so i my accuracy was all over the place even at 10 and you know 10 and 20 yards i was missing the target by a foot i was like what the hell is going on here finally about two weeks you know i was shooting good all through my elk hunt i was shooting good through my mule deer hunt and then something happened and or no is leading up to my mule deer hunt I was like, dude, what is going on all over? I, I tightened all these screws and I, I was shooting great. And then I come back off my mule deer hunt and I was shooting really poor again. I was like, it's got to be mental, right? It's got to be mental. I've checked all my gear. I tore down my entire bow. I put it all back together. Now I had a buddy help me out and, and I was still shooting shitty. 
And then one day, right before I'm getting ready to walk out into the timber to do some hunting, I, I see the screw that's kind of worked its way out and I tightened it back up uh, real hard. And I had my, I was instantly shooting good again. So, um, I, I don't know where this was going, where I was going with that, but, uh, I, we were talking about sites. Yeah. So, so that site is awesome, but I don't like all the extra, some of the extra features on it. I feel like micro adjustments are great, but it can just cause more problems if something like that happens. Right. Like I didn't know yeah. to check that, to check that screw. Cause I guess I'd never paid attention to it. Yeah. I hear you. Um, and then, yeah, with your, with the single pin versus, you know, fixed pins, I've always been a fixed pin guy. I, I mean, I've had, I've definitely had shot opportunities. I've taken shots and I've made kills where if I took five seconds to move my pin from 20 to 40 yards or whatever with a the dial, I would have missed that shot opportunity. Yeah. That's always been a fear of mine. A lot of guys are like, that doesn't ever happen, but it's just like, I've, I can count like. It hasn't happened yet. Right. I was like, I've yeah. counted like, I count three different scenarios where that's happened to me. Yeah. Where you had like, the only amount of time you had was to literally grab your bow, draw back and shoot yeah. whatever, whatever it might be. So, um, yeah. but I will say this, uh, there's a couple different companies that they make like a hybrid slider. So you'll have like. Uh-huh. anywhere from three to five fixed pins and then it's still you can put it on a dial um and yeah i don't know that's worth a i don't know if you're looking into that option as well yeah it's my my buddy one of my buddies got one and he really likes it the you know i think it's 20 30 and then the bottom pins a slider okay. so yep. i i want to do some more research and if you're listening to this and you know of a really good one that does that hit me up on instagram i'd love to pick your brain about it but uh let's see here other than other than that any other purchases or products you got coming in no sir i don't i mean so yeah i don't i i hope not yeah. i think I, yeah it needs to be done yeah so i and I, here's what i'm going to say on two things that you've mentioned one i never used to be a fan of matthew's bows but i when we were shooting those bows at the ATA show this year, it's my first Matthews bow that I've ever shot that I kind of liked. So I'm not, you know, I'm not against the Matthews fanboy club. They, this year, I think they came out with a really good bow, a really good bow. So whatever, there's a lot of them in the room though. Oh dude, there was, um, I mean, prime, I, I liked prime's bow. I did feel like a decent amount of, vibration after the shot that doesn't exactly bother me i just mentally i know and then technically i know that if you have vibration in the bow after the shot that's more noise and the bow itself is just less efficient yeah um and then yeah there was a was it elite it was like a the cure a yeah pure that was nice but the thing i didn't like about that was like i think the the front end of the draw cycle was like super aggressive and or maybe it was the bat. I don't know. I forget exactly what it was. I only shot it a handful of times, but it just either it ramped up way too quick or ramped up at the very end. Um, and I wasn't a, just remember not liking that too much. Other than that, I mean, any other, I mean, any flagship bow. Um, I think, I mean, I think you can't go wrong. 
Right. So, yeah. And then the other thing I will say about purchasing, whether you're a, I guess, influencer or you got that just God, I hate that word. Right. If you have an Instagram page and you're an influencer, that makes it sound a little douchey. But if you call up a company, regardless of who you are, and you ask questions about their product and then you say, hey, would you happen to have a discount available for me? There are a lot of companies, regardless of what the product is, that would say, yeah, I think we can hook you up with a discount, whether it's big or small. Uh, these days, especially with, in the world that we're living in with a lot of retail uh, store, like people are not going to retail stores and they're doing a lot of their shopping online. Now is the perfect time to call up a company, talk to them about their product, and then just ask them straight up, hey, man, do you happen to have a, a discount available for me today? Because I'd be willing to purchase. And I, I have a gut feeling that a lot of them would say yes. Yeah, and uh, you can definitely be persistent about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I kind of heckled Matthews for probably about a month until I got a response. <laughs> Not going to lie. So, I, I mean, what's, what's the worst? You're going to say no. Yeah. Right. Now right. you're in the same spot. You're in the same spot. But I firmly believe that if you do enough scouring on the internet, um, or you do exactly what you said, you should never have to pay full price for anything. Right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense, man. Makes a lot of sense. Um, Real quick, I'm going to run down some of the, the gear that I am in the process of getting. Some I will be paying for, some I will not be paying for. But um, and, and again, you know, just full disclosure, I have an Instagram page and I have this platform, and people want to expose their products on platforms to the people who listen to it. So I do get some some gear for free. And then on the other hand, I, I do uh, have to pay for some some of the stuff. But uh, some of the, the things that I'm going to be purchasing before the new season hits here is um, probably some form of a jet boil. The current MSR uh, mini boiler that I have lets a lot of wind get to it. So if it's windy, I was trying to boil my coffee um, out in South Dakota this year and it was a little windy and the wind was blowing the flame and not hitting directly to the the cup, which it took way longer to boil the water than necessary. So what I did was um, I think I'm going to get one of those jet boils that has an enclosed, uh, like where the, the flame is enclosed and that way the wind won't hit it and it boils faster. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Yep. I'm, I'm going to purchase a new uh, water filtration system. I haven't made up my decision on what I'm going to do yet for that. But, you know, I'm still in research mode for that. I am going to get a new sleeping bag. I'm still in some way, shape, or form a um, uh, in research mode for that. However... There's a company called Western Mountaineering that I've really been looking into. And although it's a made in America product and it is really expensive, I was talking to the guy. I had him on here. Uh, I had him on here on this podcast a couple months ago or last month, I think. And he was he was saying that his he has firm belief that his sleeping bags can last 20 years if properly taken care of. And that spoke to me. 
right? So that says that, listen, these guys are so confident in their product that it's going to last 20 years. So is $500 over a 20-year period really expensive? It's it's not to me. I I agree with that. It's, you're absolutely right. So other than that, I'm, I'm going to probably get some new arrows from I'm a huge fan of the day six arrows. Uh, I like those arrows, um, a pack. I think I'm going to be getting a mystery ranch pack or packs. Uh, I definitely want to try out their whitetail, uh, their whitetail, their new whitetail pack, the treehouse, And then what's the other mystery ranch pack that I want, uh, that I'm looking at getting. That's the, it's the Metcalf. No, it's not the Metcalf. I decided I wanted the bigger one. Uh, it's like the, Beartooth? Yeah, something the, like something like or that. The, or the Bob Marshall? Yeah, the two. Marshall. Yep. Okay. So, and the reason for that is I wanted the biggest possible pack with that way I can use it. You know, if I don't need to use all the space, I don't need to use all the space. Or if I decide to go, because next year is going to be a big year for me. So as far as multiple hunts in multiple states. Uh, so I want to make sure I have uh, a big... An, an oversized pack because the pack that I'm, I have a, a 400 cubic inch pack right now, or excuse me, a 4,000 and it's just not cutting it for me. I need something bigger. So I decided to go there and uh, I think I'm going to keep my same bows and I might pick up an insulation layer. Um, f- kind of, uh, yeah, an insulation layer for out West, something that's really packable. Again, I think that's going to be a product that I probably put a little bit of money into is that that piece. And other than that, I think I'm going to give my boots one more year before I before I buy new. I've got a funny story about boots. OK, I'm listening. Just, ha- just happened last night. So <clears throat> I was uh, I'm planning on going on like two two elk hunts this year in September and probably Oh, I think like 18 days or something like that. And I just have one pair of crispy boots. And I was like, you know, I've had, I've had other boots fail on me in previous years until I got crispy. Yeah. And these boots have two years on them. This will be their third year. Same here. And I was, and I was like, I should potentially get a backup pair. And I brought that up to my wife and boy, oh boy, did I get shot down. (laughs) I got shot down hard. Why? So she doesn't see it. She was like, there's the only reason you pay that much for a pair of boots is so that they don't fail you, uh, in the back country like that. And I was like, well, that's like, yeah, I agree with you. And if they were brand new that I'd probably have that same thinking, but, um, I don't, I don't know. So also if they get like soaking wet one day and you get back to the car or something like that and you can't get them dried out, um, overnight, I mean, slap on a fresh pair and away you go. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I got some, I got some work to do on her for those. Yeah. So I don't know, man. I don't know about you, but I've, my feet feel so good in those crispies that it's going to be hard for me to not buy another pair of crispies. I'm, I'm there with you. I do not like the price tag on them. Um, yeah, but man, three, I spent 280 bucks for my, for my pair. And this is year number three. And let me tell you what I've done in them. I've done probably close to 
a hundred miles of shed hunting. I've done two elk hunts. I've done a mule deer hunt. I've done, um, what else have I done in those, uh, you know, three season, this will be three seasons versa, um, with white tails in those hunts, all the setting up, tearing down mushroom hunting, uh, and, and have not had one single blister. Oh, and don't forget training for those hunts right? and right. have not had one single blister in that, in those boots. The only thing that I'm starting to find out now with those boots, and I have a feeling it happens with every single boot is I'm getting a little bit of heel slide, just a, just a, a tiny little bit as I start to use them. But the more I use them, the more they my feet kind of fall into a groove with them, and the the boot and the foot kind of fit more like a hand in a glove type of scenario. And yeah. it just the more I wear them, the you know throughout the year. Like right now, I'm in I'm in Crocs and tennis shoes mode. Right. And I'll put, I'll put them on just to train or to go check trail cameras or, or whatever. Uh, but as the summer progresses and I start getting more into, into that boot, man, it's just, I just feel so confident in those boots because I haven't had one blister. There's not really a break in process with those boots. Now I know there's other boots up, up there that even have a higher price tag that are supposed to be equally as good or better, but man, I don't, I don't know if I can see myself going into another, another boot at this point. I hear you, man. It's, <clears throat> there's certain things that you just like as much of a gear junkie as you want to be. Yeah. There's certain things that like, if with your feet, if it works, don't, don't mess with it. Yeah. Don't change it. But curiosity of other boots, um, like, uh, we did a, we did a, a podcast lacrosse, with yeah. lacrosse. Yeah. And those boots haven't come out yet, but I definitely, those have my interest. So the low star, I think it is. Yep, yeah, it is. Yeah. And I, I would imagine those are going to be at a more affordable price point. So, yeah. but yeah. We'll, we'll see, we'll see now, uh, but yeah, I'm with, well, right now I still got to work on getting permission to, uh, to purchase them. Yeah. So. Which is, yeah. which it is one of those things where. If I was just a whitetail hunter, would I buy a pair of Krispies for what I do in the whitetail woods? Mm, probably not. Probably not. But because I go on these other big hunts, yes, definitely worth it. Definitely worth it. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy them for whitetail hunting. I actually do not like to whitetail hunt out of them. Um, I, don't, I have found that I can hike all day in them and get up, sit down stand around for five, 10 minutes here, you know, bugle, listen, that type of thing, go up and down mountains, not a problem, no blisters, feet are comfortable. If I wear those and stand in a tree stand, and I like to stand for at least probably 60% of the time that I'm hunting, uh, my feet get incredibly sore just standing still on in those boots. Really? Mm-hmm. Man, I have the opposite effect. Of mm-hmm. course, I sit down more, well... I shouldn't say that. I'm about 50-50 sit, standing up and sitting down. But this year, whitetail hunting, I got rid, like I started off with my alpha burlies and my rubber boots. But I, right before the rut, I bought some of those Arctic Shield boot covers. And so I would walk to the stand in, I think, I'm not sure if I had one or two pairs of socks on, but then my Krispies. And then my boot covers over top of that 
And I got, my feet got cold one day this entire year working that method. I remember you saying that. Yeah. I think I might just need to find a more comfortable. I would just maybe try a different pair of Krispies, different uh, model. Yeah. So I don't know. Well, we're kind of sabotaging this whole podcast right now because we were supposed to be talking about um, about optics. So we're going to have to do a hard transition right now and end the uh, end the podcast with a conversation about optics. And uh, optics are one of those things where I don't know about you. I've looked through a lot of optics, and yes, the $1,000, $2,000, pair of Swarovskis um, are pretty badass. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think they're so badass that the price tag, the, the price tag and the quality jump above whatever's below it is overwhelmingly good. Does that make sense? It makes sense, and I I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. So, because um, my buddy, he had a pair of Swarovskis, and they are they're straight up badass. But I've also had my uh, eyes in a pair of binoculars that are fifteen hundred to two two thousand dollars cheaper, that are not the exact same, but they they're they're just a hair off, and. I guess I am not to the point in my hunting career where I need 30 seconds worth of light at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Or or five minutes. I I should know what that thing is and whether or not I'm going to shoot it. Um, But so, so from an optic standpoint, man, they have everything from, and, and, and I've used them everything from the Walmart brands to what we've just talked about and everything in between. Right. So, what what's your take on on let's just start off with whitetail binoculars what's your take on those i don't think you need to go super high end with whitetail binoculars it's i think you need to i mean no doubt you get what you pay for Uh, i think there's a difference between like a hundred and fifty dollar pair of binos and a three hundred dollar pair of binos like a like a noticeable difference yeah um but I think really with whitetail hunting, you need to more so consider like the power of the of the binos and the uh, the field of view. So I mean, it depends on where you're hunting. If you're hunting, like if you're hunting in the Midwest where you're scanning over, I don't know, big open fields and stuff like that, you're probably going to want a higher power. If you hunt big timber and stuff like that, you can probably get away with like an eight power. and be just fine because you don't need you don't need to really have that much uh yeah zoom whatever you want to call it i tell you i'll tell you this right now i have my binoculars on me every single hunt and these days they are more of a just in case uh thing as opposed to do i use them every hunt to identify deer i hunt where i put my tree stands i i I can't use my binoculars until the deer is already on me for the most part. If I see some movement on a next ridge, it's going to be so thick between where I'm at and that next ridge that if it's just a glimpse, I'm just hoping to see what it is. Not necessarily, you know, I don't know, get this beautiful picture, right? 
with it. So I find myself using my, not using my binoculars very often in the whitetail woods where I'm using them at is on the drives on, you know, maybe walking into the stand and I see something out in the field already or coming out and I see something, my, my binos are up. I, I don't, I don't find myself in position there, there are a couple, there are a couple tree stand locations that I have where I could scan, right? But most of my, most of my, your typical downwind of bedding, pinch point, uh, staging area tree stands are in really thick cover. So I am not using my binoculars very often in the whitetail woods. Gotcha. I am completely opposite of you. You're on them all the time. I would say all the time, but uh, most of the time, because it's just a really subtle motion to just kind of scan yeah. slowly back and forth. And if you get a decent pair of binos with some really nice clarity um, and you got a, a eight or 10 power, even even 12 power if you want, but I don't really, I've never gone higher than 10 power. Um, but yeah, just slowly glassing and looking through all those interwoven branches and and tree trunks and stuff like that you can a lot of deer i can pick out a part of their body through a whole bunch of like webbed together branches and i can pick that out through my binos like whether it's a leg or body or face or something like that i can pick it out through my binos where i would never see it with the naked eye and of course we're talking about looking at deer that are you know 80 yeah, 200 yards away that you just would never see with your naked eye because if they're, you know, they're behind a whole bunch of thick stuff. So yeah. that's, and then that just gives me a, one, it gives me something to do. It keeps me more interested, more engaged. And then I honestly think that I just see a lot more deer that way. Cause I, I spot a lot of those deer. And if I never had my binos up and I was scanning, I would have never saw them at all. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Um, but, and then at the opposite end of the the thing is the western hunts, right? Especially for this mule deer hunt, I am glued to my optics, right? So, um, and I, I don't, but so when I when I decided to pick out my binoculars all those years ago, I obviously back then money was a issue. I mean, it, it's still an issue, but it was really an issue back then. Right. I, I knew I needed a pair of binoculars. So, and I needed to make sure I had a good quality pair. And I also knew that I needed to, I, I wasn't at the time going to be using them for Western hunts, but I wanted something that could be used for Western hunts, whether it was, um, uh, elk or mule deer or whatever I was going to go do. I, I wanted to be able to not have to have two pairs of binoculars. I wanted whatever was right in the middle and that would allow me to use it wherever I needed to use it. How about you? Do you have different, do you have a different pair of binoculars for the whitetail woods and a different pair for the, uh, elk hunt? No. Um, I honestly do not do a lot of glassing for elk hunting because we hunt a lot of, uh, dense timber yeah so um yeah i I honestly i glass it's just about the opposite of you i use my binos a lot less um when i'm elk hunting they're always on me um there are times where yeah you can glass some open meadows and stuff like that but sometimes you're glassing those meadows and they're two three miles away and 
I mean, an elk at that distance just looks like this little, little tiny orange dot. Yeah. And it's like, I'm never going to get over there in time. So, um, it is something to do like midday or whatever, or if you're just not, if you're not in elk, definitely like something to do to keep trying to find them. But, um, I've had a lot of, um, a lot of solid elk hunting days. Just, I've been spoiled on the elk hunting front. I haven't killed more than I've only killed one bull, but, uh, there's just been a lot of action every time I've gone. So, gotcha. Uh, yeah. Well, um, yeah. So when it, I think a lot of it has to do with where you hunt, right? Cause if you're, if you're a tree stand hunter who typically hunts in the, the timber, you probably don't need the big magnifications that a guy who hunts deer in South Dakota or North, North Dakota does, right? You probably, there's, you have less, less obstacles. So that way you're able to see longer distances, identify what you need to identify. So probably a higher magnification would be good for you. Um, me, I only have a, I have an eight by 42. That's what I've, I I've been using the same pair of binoculars for eight years now. I want to say maybe, maybe even more. And, uh, I beat the piss out of them. They work great. And, uh, they're an eight by 42, they're vortex and they're great for my whitetail needs. And they're great for my, uh, my Western needs as well. So, okay. I've got, um, I have a pair of loopholes that I think I got, um, in 2017 and they were, they were, they had a pretty decent price tag to them. Um, they were like 800 bucks at the time. I did a Google search before I jumped on the podcast with you and you can get them for 300 bucks now. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're freaking outstanding. Um, they're the loophole, they're BX three Mojave's, uh, the 10 by 42s. Um, they're not terribly heavy. They're like 24 ounces. So not bad. Um, and I, they're crystal clear and I don't think I gain much of an advantage at, at night or anything with them, but, um, I really like them. They've got decent eye relief and I can, I can definitely glass with them for multiple hours uh, a day and not have any like eye stress going on. Right. So, right. Um, let's see here. I'm looking at mine. I'm looking online now the, if you were to buy, it, it wasn't this expensive back then when I picked them up, but I have the diamond back the Vortex Diamondback HD 8x42, and uh, it looks like they are currently retailing for $270, bucks. So, nice. Um, but, so does Leupold have any type of warrant, like warranty where, I don't know, compared to what Vortex has? Uh, they've got a limited lifetime warranty, uh, so I do not believe that's going to be as good as Vortex. From everything I've heard about Vortex and seen on social media, Vortex has hands down got the best warranty. And so. that is why I purchased my Vortex Optics, dude. Straight up. I, I don't know about you, but I beat the piss out of my equipment. And when a company says to me, and I don't want this to sound like a, a commercial for Vortex, but when a company says to me, Hey man, you use those, use those, use that product like it's meant to be used. And if you break it, just send it back and we'll fix it for free. Right. What, sure. what other, what other companies do that? I mean, not outside of the vortex world, because I think Maven optics does it now too, but 
are there any other products within the hunting industry per se that have this lifetime you break it we fix it no questions asked policy not not that i've come across because i send a lot of stuff in and write emails that it's a manufacturer's defect and this and that and try to like try to coax them into fixing it even though i used it and messed it up for real you shyster oh, dude, I mean, <laughs> it's, true, it's true story man yeah. uh, my, my friends anytime i break something like i personally break something by being stupid or whatever my friends literally if i tell them about it like i always get a response of yeah man just manufactures defect that and send it in so it's a it's a pretty good running joke amongst our friends but uh yeah um from what i've read about customer service in the hunting industry. A lot of people have pretty good uh, experience with multiple companies. And then there's always, you know, 10% that are like, worst customer service ever. They wouldn't help me, blah, blah, blah. And you just don't hear that about Vortex ever. No, you don't. And I think they they make it impossible for that because they're going to fix whatever you break, period. I mean, whether it's your fault or not. Right. I mean, most of this damage that was done to, so I, I sent my binoculars in two different times, uh, to get fixed one. I think I dropped it out of the tree stand and there wasn't any damage that I noticed right away, but that next year, a seal was broken and you could, um, there was moisture inside the, the cylinder there that makes the magnification and the moisture was clouding up the the glass so i couldn't see through it and so i sent it back in they fixed it they cleaned it up and then they sent it back to me no questions asked the second time i think i left it on the my tailgate and i backed up and i ran over it and it cracked the eyepiece and um bent bent it up pretty good and uh yeah uh, sent it in they fixed it and straight up told them yeah i ran over it with my car so Wow. Yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard not to go with a company like that. And they have they have such a huge variety that they and, and this isn't just right. This isn't just Vortex as far as price is concerned, because obviously the Swarovskis there, they are the premium elite brand, but they come with a premium and elite price tag. Now, Leupold, Bushnell, um, Vortex all fall under Nikon. I don't think, is Nikon even making binoculars anymore? I, th- I think they still do. I okay. think they're still making binos and rangefinders. Yeah. Okay. So, but you said your Leupolds cost 300 Nowadays they do. Yeah. yeah okay. Three years later they do. Okay. They used to, yeah. Yep. So they, uh, there, there's tons of other brands in that space for, a, a that offer. And cause I, I know that vortex op- offers some thousand dollar binoculars and I'm sure Leupold has a premium pair as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. And I, I pulled up the Leupold warranty and it says, uh, if your rifle scope, binocular, spotting scope doesn't perform, we'll repair it or replace it for free, whether you're the original owner or not. But I don't think that's, I mean, if you called them and said, Hey, I dropped this off my tailgate and then ran it over with my car. I don't know what they're going to do for you. Yeah. I just want to offer that information either. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. <laughs> so perfect. Yeah. Um, and then uh, let's see here. Over in the past, 
I mean, binoculars is kind of where I would use, I used to skimp, right? I would probably, you know, the ones that are these big, almost fold into fold, they fold down and you can never really get them to have one clear uh, field of view. Um, like the, the very uncomfortable rubber eyes. I used to buy them at Walmart for like 40 bucks. Um, yep. And, you know, they did okay, but they, you know, like they your eyes at last light are better than these binoculars are. Yep. Oh so, yeah. I, that's same, same with my first pair ever. Yep. Yeah. So yep. other than that, um, as far as binoculars are concerned, any other information, I mean, if you go to any one of the manufacturer's websites, they're going to have, uh, articles, or they're going to have, I know Maven does this. I know Vortex does this. Um, I'm sure Leopold does this, has a um, information about what kind of product is going to fit you the best based off of how you hunt. So Yeah, I yeah, it's definitely something to consider. Um, I also, the only thing I would add is that if you're going to spend a couple hundred bucks or more on... I think if you're going to spend a 50 to a hundred bucks or whatever, I think you should just go to a sporting goods store and, and just look through them. Yeah. Just, just compare. Yeah. I mean, the, if you go to Cabela's or Shields or whatever, there's mounts all around the room and there's, I mean, those stores are so big that a lot of them are a hundred to 200 yards away. Spend some time in the store glassing up those mounts and see what it looks like through your binos and compare, get a bunch out on the counter compare and contrast and, and make a decision like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So while we're on the topic of binoculars, do you keep your binoculars on like a chest harness or do you keep them in a bino chest, like a chest pack? Uh, to both. So both. when I'm, yep. When I'm elk hunting, I have a bino harness, like a fully enclosed bino harness. Um, just because, your spot and stock in and I don't know, they can just get, I mean, if it's raining stuff like that, they can just get, they can get trashed pretty easily. Um, also, uh, most of your bino harnesses, um, that are like fully enclosed, they're going to have little pockets on them. And if I'm elk hunting, you know, I've got a spot to put like a wind checker. I got a spot to put like my, my, uh, my reeds, um, a lens cloth as well. Um, stuff like that. Um, and yeah, I use, it's called, uh, it's marsupial is the name of the brand. Um, they're not terribly expensive. I think it was like 75 bucks. Um, it's probably definitely one of the slimmer profiles for a bino harness, which has always been important to me because I never wanted, I mean, you have, you're now adding, you know, this big bulky thing to your chest. And when you draw your bow, that motion's going across your chest. So I always wanted something slim profile. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I definitely use that while, while I'm elk hunting. And then, um, once I start tree stand hunting, I do not have, uh, the, like the, the enclosed bino harness. I just have like the bino buddies, which is just like the straps that go over your shoulders. Yeah. Like around, like around you, you put your arms through it basically. Yeah. Um, that's just personal preference. Really? Okay. I guess I can just. I can just pop them up and drop them down a lot faster. Um, also, when I'm when I'm bow hunting whitetails, I've usually got the uh, like a big puffy jacket on, like the fanatic jacket, and 
it kind of just, again, it's just too, there's just too much added bulk there right on my chest. On top of that, if you sit down and stuff like that, I don't know. So it just, it can bunch up a lot. So I just like, I like a slimmer profile when I'm in in the tree stand. Okay. So, so, yeah, for me, I'm, I wear mine both, but what was, what was the brand of your bino harness? Uh, marsupial. And how much did it cost? It's like 75 or 80 bucks. 75, 80 bucks. Okay. Um, let's see here for me. I wear my bino harness all the time. Uh, whether I'm in the whitetail woods or out West, I like that. I don't think it's too much of a hassle to quick flip it up, you know, especially on those days where your, my it's misting outside or it's raining. I like to have my binos in a case. So when I do, bring them up to my eyes real quick. I don't have to wipe the lens off with a, you know, my thumb or a piece or a glove or something to be able to see through it. You know what I mean? Just, oh, le- yeah. just less water off of it. And also when I'm tearing up and setting down or I'm walking through some thickness, you know, some thorns or crossing a fence, I don't have it bumping into anything. Right. So right. it's all enclosed there. And, and I guess that's, that's kind of what I, that's kind of what I like to do. Um, but that's, I, that's a, go ahead, sir. No, I, I, that's, it's pretty, pretty laid back. I, my brand is outdoor vision. Uh, that's the bino pack. I bought it at shields and I think I paid 55 or 60 bucks for it. And it's, okay. I beat the shit out of it and it's held up very well. And this, I'm going on three years with this thing. Okay. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I think I'm going on. I think I'm going on like five years with mine. Yeah. Um, the other thing I was just going to add, um, when I'm whitetail hunting, um, my my jacket is always strapped to my backpack. Yep. And then um, my rangefinder and my binos are always on the very top of my backpack. Yeah. So I don't I don't walk out with my binos on for exactly the reason you said. When you're climbing up the tree, they can scrape up against the bark of the tree. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, I just keep them in the keep them in my backpack so yeah um and then that way when i'm putting a jacket on stuff like that i don't have to take my binos yeah off put the jacket on and then put the binos back on yeah so and if you just if you hear that noise i've just realized that my bino harness had a rain fly on it that i didn't know about for for third year right i just (laughs) i just figured it out there's a zipper down at the bottom of it and it has a rain fly on it. And I'm just like, oh, I've never, and I'll probably never pull it out again. Cause I don't care if the, the little area of it gets wet. So cool. Oh, oh, oh one thing I will say about this bino harness, that is a drawback. I, I love everything about this marsupial yeah. bino harness, but it has a magnetic flap on it. Mine does too. And I am pretty sure that that magnet can throw off, my Onyx GPS when I'm in. You mentioned that before. You mentioned mm-hmm. that before. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I got lost real bad last year because your because your Onyx wasn't updating properly. Uh, well, I didn't have I didn't have service, so the map was saved, and then it was dark out, like like pitch black out, and we were just trying to get back to just trying to get back to the car, and I ended up going down the wrong the wrong freaking ditch or whatever. It was bad. Like we went into like Dr. Seuss's like worst nightmare, dude. It was bad. 
I was with my wife too, so she was just pissed. And of course, her, she's got Onyx as well. So she's looking at hers and she's got the car marked and I'm looking at mine. And of course I'm, I'm right. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're the man. Especially you're right. Yeah. If, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm just telling her she's wrong. Just suck it up. I mean, there's deadfall everywhere. And she's yeah. like five, three. So I'm just like, yep, yeah, nope. Just, it sucks, but just do it. Just power through it. This is why you trained all summer, you know, trying to give her a pep talk. And we'd like went in a big circle and I was like, well, I was like, dude, I was like, my, my GPS messed up and she pulled out hers and we started following hers and hers led us back to the car and then the next day when it was light out and we kind of like knew actually like some of the ridges we were on i was playing with mine because onyx has that feature where you just you can press the compass a couple like twice and then it will point you to where you want to go right like so and that that's what it was throwing it off if i just left the compass fine just read it normally it didn't mess with my location it just messed with what direction I was facing. Okay. So, yeah, man, that would, especially if you're out in the back country, like you were, I mean, just imagine if you were deep and you're just trying to find your tent just to get out of the storm or something like that, mm-hmm. I would be pissed. So did yours, did your Onyx still work if you held it away from your chest? Yeah. Yeah, it did. I just, if it's it just at that point, you know, yeah, it's on a, it's on a little phone, the further away you you hold it, you know, I'm not 50 yet where my eyes are shot. You know, I have to hold my phone, you know, yeah. three feet from my face to read it. But uh, so, no, it just gets hard to see the map when you have to hold it way far away. You know, I get it. So. I get it. Um, man, that's crazy. Good, uh, mm-hmm. good, good insight, though. Mine has the map and I, I don't feel like I've and I keep my phone in my bino harness on my Western hunts. So okay. when I I slide it right in behind the uh, the binos. So then I take it out and, you know, all the time to look where we're at and stuff. And I, I guess I, I've never had any issues with that. But yeah, maybe it's just a special case with, with this, with uh, the marsupial, but I don't, I don't know. And, um, it, it, like I said, it, it wasn't all the time, but when it, right. it was, it was definitely that night. So okay. it was, it was all squirrely. Yeah. So uh, the, uh, the other thing is, um, she does have her own stuff too. So I don't know how many female listeners there are. Um, not even that this is a female bino harness, but she has the Alaska Guide Creations bino harness. It's like the uh, it's like the cubby or something like that. So she likes it quite a bit. It's got like the bigger um, like shoulder pads on it, I guess you'd call it. So on the harness itself, you know. Yeah. So it's it's more supportive. Um, mine is just like one inch straps that go over my shoulder. Hers are probably like two and a half inches wide. So it's more support. Um, hers is definitely a little more bulky than mine, but she keeps her rangefinder in it as well. So I don't know. There's, there's not, no, no issues with it. And then she uses, um, she has vortex, uh, binos as well. And they're just, they're 10 by 32s. So they're kind of short little stubbies and, they're they're pretty clear. I'm looking through them right now. They're uh, they're every bit as clear as those loopholes. So yeah, yeah, yep. Okay. Um, before we get into spotting scopes, let's just talk about rangefinders real quick. Um, there are, I I think a rangefinder is kind of an important, especially, I don't know. I mean, for all hunting really, but especially for archery bow hunting. Um, I think 
rangefinders are very important, very so accuracy and even that uh what's that uh angle adjustments. Yeah. You know what I mean? The angle adjustment uh um option should almost be mandatory in all of them. And <laughs> I've seen I've seen I've had my eye in some really garbage rangefinders and they're out there. And then I've had my eye in some really good ones as well. So, um, again, man, I hate to say it, but I I have a Vortex Ranger, and it's badass. And the batteries last a long time in it. I think I've changed in, oh, man, in the five years that I've had it, maybe even longer. It's probably been longer. I've, let's see, 2000, it's been 2014 13 i think is when i got it and i've only had to change batteries in it a couple times but now because i'm going out west a lot i change batteries in it every year but up until then i think i've only changed batteries in it twice in a six-year period okay yeah Um, it, it does the trick and it's accurate and it's it's lighted and man i don't i don't i don't know what to really say that is crazy about range finders. I'm not necessarily an expert on them and man, I, I like mine because it does what I want it to do. It's kind of like a trail camera, right? What do you want your trail camera to do? Take pictures of deer. What do you want your range finder to do? Tell you what the yardage is period. Right. Um, so I'll start off a couple of things. Yeah. Basically, well, I use an old school rangefinder. By old school, I mean I don't know what the year is on this thing, but I you use want steps it. to your tree stand where you count. <laughs> that's your rangefinder. Hey, no. I, I when I when I first started hunting, when I first started hunting, I had paint sticks. This is no joke. Paint sticks. When I was sitting in a fence line, I would take ten steps and I would put a I would put a paint stick in the ground. And then I would take another 10 steps and I would put another uh, paintbrush or a paint stick, you know, stirring stick yep. in the ground. And then I would take a couple more, you know, I'd take 10 more and that was my 30 pin. And that is how I ranged like the very, some of the very first times I ever went hunting. Yeah, I, I didn't use a rangefinder for the first couple of years and it just, I would just pace it off as I walked to the tree. Yeah. And would kind of pace off 20, 30, 20 yards, something like that, and, and call it good. <clears throat> um, in 2012, I won a rangefinder off or off a bet, um, which, I don't know, quick story. There's a guy, <laughs> there's a, uh, a guy I work with, and we always bet on the Michigan-Notre Dame football game. And I wouldn't bet every year. I would only bet on the years that I thought they were going to win. And then he kind of called me out on it and was like, dude, you're only betting like when your team's ranked in like the top 10 and Notre Dame's got like a new quarterback and it's just a, and and it's like a home game for Michigan. And he's like, just, and I had one, like we had always bet like a Jersey or something like that. So like pretty decent amount of money. So I, I won one year and it was on like, I think Michigan had like, they won in like the last like 20 seconds of the game. It was like their first like night game or something like that. But anyway, um, I was in his office, and I think we had bet cash that year, and he was playing with this rangefinder. And I was like, what's up with that rangefinder? 
And he's like, I just got it as a gift, but he's like, I don't really, I don't really want it. And I was like, okay. I was like, I was like, I'll, I'll take it, you know, just joking around. And he's like, well, you want it instead of, you know, cash or whatever for our bet. And I was like, absolutely. So I Google searched this thing and I was like, dude, I was like, that's a $330 rangefinder. And he's like, well, he's like, I guess it's yours now. I'm like, well, the bet was only for like 60 bucks. Like that doesn't make any sense. And he's like, nope, keep it. So it's kind of a gift slash bet win. Um, but it doesn't have the angle, the angle thing. It's just, it's black and literally, I don't even know what's meant for hunting. I'm not, I think it's maybe it's meant more for golf, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, it works. doesn't have, it works. It, uh, it doesn't range anything closer than 10. Um, but it works well on dark services. I know uh, I had got my wife a rangefinder when she got into bow hunting like five years ago. And we kind of went cheap because I just didn't really think about it. Um, and on black services, like a black target, it just would never pick up. It would never like respond to her, like what the range was. So that's something to look for if you're going to a store and using rangefinders. We, we have since then gotten her a... A better one. I think it's a Vortex. I couldn't find it because I don't know where her rangefinder is. Um, but I know some have like a black eliminate, like illumination. Some have red, stuff like that. So what I found when I was helping her pick out a rangefinder, I think last year, is that it is super confusing. Um, it's super confusing to figure out how each one like goes through different modes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then like I said, I've never used the angle. I've I've heard people hunting out west where like they range a mule deer at thirty yards and it says to shoot for fourteen. Right. Like I don't I can't even comprehend that sometimes. Almost straight like, down. I, right, yeah. exactly. So for me, what I've kind of always done is just if I'm in my tree stand and I range stuff at, you know, twenty, thirty yards, I just know that I'm gonna end up that's going to be a little high. So I just need to make sure that I basically aim for the heart, always aim for the heart. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's about it for range finders that I got. Yeah. And I would say make sure it's waterproof. Yep. Absolutely. And then the other thing to consider is they do have a magnification on them. So some have like right. a three power magnification. Some have a six power, stuff like that. This one had the one I have is it got a six power, and I noticed I really like that over like the three power just gives you a little bit more magnification when you're ranging, you know, a certain object or anything. And you can just get a little bit more precise on what you're ranging. Right. So. Yeah. Imagine, imagine trying to range something in that 40 yard marker over without mag magnification. It would be like holding your bow pin on something to get an accurate range. And that would be, that'd be a little difficult. Right. So, so, uh, I don't really have too much else to say about, um, uh, about range finders. I know, I know there's a lot of information out there, you know, don't be afraid to Google range finders and there's going to be a whole bunch of information that comes up. But, uh, one of those products where the more you spend, the more, the more functionality you're going to get with it. Uh, do you probably need all that functionality? I don't think so. I, I don't think so, but at the same time, it, it, when it comes to optics, and I want to know your thoughts on this, but price pretty much reflects quality. With rangefinders, yeah, that's what yeah. I've that's what I've found as well. 
What about so, what about optics in general? Yes. Yeah. From from everything I've found, yeah, price reflects quality, um, and quality can be defined uh, by different things. It can be just clarity. It can be uh, low light visibility. It can be weight. I think weight is a big one for yeah. uh, you get into the higher you get into those two three thousand dollar spotting scopes or th- like you know two thousand dollar binoculars stuff like that they're going to be a lot lighter than like a two hundred dollar set or whatever yeah uh waterproof you know if they're filled with nitrogen and stuff like that like those are going to be like your different points on quality so yeah. and just like the actual glass they use so yeah, yeah. and uh that's a kind of a perfect transition talking about weight because my uh, my vortex spotting scope is awesome but i guess this is the first last year was the first year that i had to carry it around so man it's it's heavy right i mean spotting scopes are, i'm sure there's some lighter ones out there but uh, it's i'm i'm just not used to carrying carrying around a spotting scope so i it just took me a while to get used to it but um but once i have it and I had the ability to use it. It's awesome to be able to see that far away with that much detail and be able to make you know better decisions. Right. What what ex- what spotting scope do you have? I have the um, I think it's the Razor HD. So it's okay. It's their of all their of all their. It's the middle of the road one. I think. Okay. What uh, what power is it? It is, I can tell you in a second. Let me, uh, come on now. It is Vortex. Here it is. I have the Razor HD, and it's the middle of the road one. The Diamondback is the cheaper model. The the Viper is their most expensive model. And then I have the Razor HD, and it is, pulling up right now, It's forty-eight by sixty-five. Okay, so what's the what's the first number? It's going to be your power. How does that go? It's like uh, you're going to have a range, right? Oh, right. So like uh, eleven. Maybe I don't. I don't think this is the. Let me go so back. Sh- should be like a like a fifteen by forty-five, or fifteen to forty-five by. 65 right i have a cover on it right now so one of those i got you so i can't look i can't see without taking the cover off anyway i think it's uh let me see here the sorry for the dead air people i'm thinking it is the 22 okay 22 to 48 yeah, 22, yep. 22 to forty eight by sixty five. Okay, so now looking okay. at now looking at this, it's the middle of the road out of the three series. But it in that in the the, um, the particular Razor HD, it's one of the more expensive models in that in that series. So okay. it's I think it retails for sixteen hundred, okay. but. I got it for free. So, uh, 
<laughs> One of those deals. Yep. Sorry, guys. <laughs> sorry, guys. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I took a – I borrowed on my first ever um, mule deer hunt in Nebraska. I borrowed one to go on to see if I liked one to uh, purchase it or not. And it was a cheapo. And I, I ended up carrying it along. And then the next two days or the next four days, I just left it in the truck because it didn't do me any good. Like just crappy optics. I, I felt like I was having to work harder to get it adjusted than I was having to, um, having to get it adjusted than I was being able to get what I wanted out of looking through it. So uh, this one that I'm using right now is badass. It's awesome. And obviously for $1,600, it should be, if you're paying $1,600 on a pair of optics, it should be so badass that, you know, you think you're thinking about leaving your girlfriend for it. I would agree. I would agree. Um, Especially if you get it for, for free. Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, what I'm getting, what I'm getting at is, um, would I, would I have, would I spend sixteen hundred dollars on this spotting scope? That's that's the question we should be asking, right? I, I got it for free. Would I spend sixteen hundred dollars on this spotting scope? I would, but it would take me probably three years of saving money in order to get it. Yeah. Right. I mean, based off of everything else for me, like I like I mentioned on um, man, I think one of the last times we talked for me, it's all about being able to budget or making one big purchase throughout the year and or through, you know, one big purchase every hunting season. And this would be definitely one of those one of those uh, uh, purchases a big one that you have to plan for. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Um, it's not terrible on weight either. I'm looking at it right now. It's yeah. 57 ounces. It's just over, it's right around three and a half pounds, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. Cool. Is it angled or straight? It's angled. Okay. Any yep. reason why Do you prefer one over, over the other? Well, I, I guess for me, I like it I, when I'm sitting down glassing, I like to have it right in my crotch. And that way, all I have to do is I can pull my binoculars up still and look if I need to. And and then so they're out of the way. And if I want to look through the spotting scope, I just look, I, I tilt my head down. Yeah. So for me, I like the angle because when they were going to send me one, they said, hey, would you like straight or would you like angled? And I... I went with the angled just for that pure reason alone. Okay. Yep. So, um, already I have the, I just got this today. Actually, it just got shipped here today. Okay. Um, kind of talked about it on a podcast with you last week, but, um, I got a, a loophole. I was going to get a vortex. Um, and then they kind of, the ones I wanted, I think I was actually kind of looking at the one that you're just talking about. Um, basically, Vortex was running a special because of the COVID-19 deal that any frontline workers, um, like you provide them like proof of where you work. If you're a, a nurse or a physician or whatever, um, they'll give you 40% off. And I was like, boom, perfect. So my wife is a physician, signed her up for it. And 
started looking at spotting scopes pretty serious and I didn't want to, you know, you know, they've got spotting scopes for 1600 bucks and 40% off. You're still looking at a good chunk of change, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was kind of going middle of the road more and then it ended up being out of stock. And then I got to doing some researching and reviews and stuff like that. And I ended up finding this loophole um, on a website called shootingsurplus.com. And on Loophold's website, it's a, this is a XS4 Pro Guide, and it's the 15 to 45 power by 65 millimeter. Um, on Loophold's website, brand new, this thing is 1300 bucks. I found it on, I just was Google searching, and um, it didn't even like pull up like, you know, on one of the, like the for sale, like the top bar, of, like the for sale stuff. If you're if you're looking for products, I had to go to a company's actual website and kind of dive into what they were selling. And I was able to buy this for six hundred and twenty bucks. So um, that is no I didn't call the company. I didn't call loophole. There's no pro form or anything like that. Um, that was literally just scouring the Internet. So the other thing I did um here's another tip all whenever you're gonna buy something online google like um i basically googled shooting surplus discount code and i think like it was like j scott or something like that i think there's a podcast called j scott outdoors and that gave me an extra 10 percent off so wow yep. that, that's another really good point right if you let's say sitka or kuyu or whatever product you want to buy Type in that product and then type in discount code, and there's a chance that you find one. Yep. Right? So, I mean, thirteen hundred bucks down to six twenty. I mean, that was that's over fifty percent savings. Yeah. So I was pretty happy with that purchase, and I read a ton of reviews on it. I because I got it today. Obviously, I haven't had a lot of time to use it. Um, I, I was glassing with it for about a half hour just out the front yard before uh, we jumped on this podcast and. It definitely, what I noticed about it is like the focus ring is, is smooth. It has enough tension in it where it's, you know, you're not going to lose focus. Focus isn't going to shift easy on you, but the focus ring isn't so stiff that if you have this thing on a tripod and you're at full power that it's going to, you know, you're going to move the actual position of the spotter scope while you're trying to focus it. Yeah. And it's same thing with the magnification ring. The magnification ring is a little bit stiffer than the focus ring, but again, I think with two hands on this, I don't think you'd ever um, you'd ever lose position. So, yeah. and that would also depend on you know making sure like your fluid head or whatever is kind of locked down on your tripod. Um, so yeah, but yeah, the the one thing that I was looking at was kind of like eye relief because I've heard that if you are going to spend a lot of time glassing. It can get, you know, you're looking through one eye. It can get pretty taxing on your vision. And it did for me this past year. Yeah. I mean, I got to the point where I, instead of closing my eye, I was bringing my hand up to my face and covering my eye instead of closing it. Okay. And that, that helped relax everything. All right. That makes sense. It's a good tip. Yeah. So, so, uh, let's see here. So let me ask you this is the reason if, if that vortex model was in stock, would you have purchased it? Yes. Cause I, yeah, I yeah. definitely would. Okay. Yep. So 
how much of it was it in like how much of it was in stock so it was an in stock issue it wasn't i mean so you weren't willing to wait like a month for it to come in or however long it w- would have t- taken I think I, the more reviews I did, uh, the more reviews I read on forums and stuff like that, um, I ended up uh, leaning towards the loophole. Um, it just kind of, I kind of became sold on it. I sold I gotcha. myself on it. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. So, um, I don't know. It might be a blessing in disguise because I think I also saved a little bit of money as well. Yeah. So. Yeah. But. Um, and yeah, I went with angled as well and I don't, I'm not going on any, like the main reason I'm going to use this, um, or would use this like in the future for like actual hunting purposes is, um, either like a mule deer hunt. Like you're talking about that like you go on, mm-hmm. I don't have any of that planned in the near future at all. I, I'm sure someday it will happen. Um, but long range scouting for whitetails in, you know, the weeks leading up to bow opener. Um, it's something that I've been hearing more and more successful hunters talk about, and I kind of wanted to add that to the way I hunt. So I was kind of just gonna, you know, I film everything and my, my video camera's got like a 20 power optical zoom. And, uh, I figured that'd be pretty good for doing any scouting and stuff like that. But the more I got to think about it, I was like, that can kind of limit you. I started seeing how these spotters, they go, you know, some of them even go up to like 60 power, you know, those are bigger, those are a little bigger and a little heavier, but I was like, shit, I was like, you know, get a spotting scope that 15 to 45 power. That's something that you can also, if need be, take on elk hunt, kind of multi-purpose. And, uh, it's kind of more so why I bought it. And also I went with angled, I think that's the original comment I made. I went with angled because I bought the phone scope attachment. Ah, um, yeah. Yep. I, I just heard, I was watching, uh, there's a really cool hunting photographer. Her name's, um, his name is uh, Stephen Drake. And he was talking about, he uses angled for his phone scope just because it's, it's just way easier to see your phone. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you, I'll tell you right but, now, I got some sick, not this, was it this year? Yeah, I think it was this year there was a full moon during elk season. And I was up in the mountains and I put my phone over uh, my phone on, on the phone scope and the phone scope on the on the spotting scope. And dude, I took some pretty badass pictures of the moon. So Nice. Did you uh I don't <laughs> Cool story, bro. And then I found it then I found a dollar. <laughs> right. Nice. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I, the, that's kind of what our thing too is like I've I've been kind of getting into um, I don't know like I've telephoto s- photography. I've seen that. Uh, you, I, I'll be completely honest, dude. You should think about selling some of those pictures to maybe some uh, Michigan magazines. No joke. Yeah, mostly, yeah. I've kind I've had a couple people reach out to me and, and, and say that, and I most likely should. But um, but yeah, thank you. Um, but yeah, I was, it's kind of also like where the spotting scope comes into play. I don't, I don't think the picture might be like, you know, if you take a, a photo of a bull elk through a spotting scope and it won't be like as rich in detail, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of another thing that I was thinking with. So, um, I don't know. 
Yeah. I don't know where I was exactly going with that, but it doesn't uh, matter because the, the, the episode's almost over anyway. So it, yeah, we, most we, people have stopped listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, great, great information. I think, uh, I think we bullshitted, uh, next time we'll probably have to just cut to the chase and I know that's my fault. I'm a bullshitter by nature, but, um, anything else that we should add about optics before we hop into, you know, we close her down. Oh, uh, the only thing I was going to say about uh, range finders is put it on your body where you're going to, where when you use it, you can just drop it and draw your bow. I watched so many hunting shows where guys are, I was watching a hunting show the other day where a guy was literally, he took his range finder out of his pocket. It didn't have a strap on it. He ranged an animal and then he literally crouched down and dropped it on the ground and then like went to go draw his bow and then like the the elk moved and he like crouched back down, grabbed his rangefinder, crept up like ten more yards, ranged the elk again, dropped the rangefinder again, and then drew his bow and shot the elk. And I was like, why wouldn't you just have that on a lanyard? Yeah. And I, I see that in a lot of hunting shows and I mean it not no joke it cost my wife uh the proper shot on a bull elk last year um, oh really oh dude i harped on her all year <laughs> about having her rangefinder tethered to her body and never off because of things that have happened to me um where i had to grab my i didn't have my rangefinder easily accessible and i was able to scramble quick range the bull and then drop it and shoot them. And I, that's how I learned my lesson. Yeah. But she had her rangefinder stuck in her um, bino harness. And she took her bino harness off because we were, like, about to just eat some snacks and uh, whatnot. And it was, like, in a zipper pocket and stuff like that. And this beautiful 5x5 five five bull came through. And it was at 35 yards. And I told her, you know, anything over 30 you need to range it because they're it's it's way different than shooting a target in the backyard. So like if it's 20 yards or closer, just put your 20 yard pin out and shoot it. But I was at 35 yards and because they're so big or, you know, it's an intense moment too. Um, she thought it was at like 40 and then she messed up and she put her bottom pin on it, which is her 50 yard pin. So she ended up shooting. She cleanly shot right over it. Um, but I think that if she had her rangefinder on her, I mean, she had all the time in the world to range it if she had yeah. her rangefinder on her. But yeah, yeah, yep. yeah, so buddy. That's well, my last. That's my final tip. Final thoughts by Bob Planick. There you go. All right. Well, man, appreciate your time again. Good luck to everybody out there who is uh, in the uh, gear mode right now. I think a lot of us are. We're looking at gear to purchase for this year. I think Bob had some excellent pointers where he's saying, uh, don't, don't, you know, be afraid to shop around for discount codes online. Don't be afraid to call the manufacturer, chit chat with them, ask them for a discount, uh, learn a little bit more about the product because let's face it, if you're going into a retail store, there's a very good chance that the person that's working there is not qualified to answer the questions about the hunting product. You know, some, some places like, uh, shields, right. Uh, I don't know or like other other sporting goods stores but shields where i go and look around i am confident that the guys there can ask answer any questions they're experts in the field but 
there's other places like if you're shopping let's say at walmart or if you're shopping at uh, i mean i hate to say it but even cabela's right uh, a sporting goods store that sells hunting equipment and is known for that sometimes you can go in there and run into someone who doesn't have the proper education so call the manufacturer if you have any questions uh, most of the time they'll take time to talk to you uh, email somebody uh, do your research online to make the proper purchasing decisions and uh, don't be I don't know in the past I was persuaded by buying something because everybody else bought something don't do that buy something that fits you and buy something that you're going to get benefits out of because you and your buddy are two different people so uh, I just kind of went on a rant there uh, as far as the purchasing gear but now's the time to purchase gear look out for discounts and all that good stuff good luck uh, this spring the rest of the spring this summer looking for your gear and uh, as always if you guys have any questions please hit up Bob at hybrid out let's see what's your call sign again on Instagram hybrid outdoors hybrid outdoors and I'm nine finger chronicles hit us up with any recommendations for a podcast any questions about gear we love talking about it we definitely want to uh, communicate with you guys and uh, that's it I'm gonna stop the podcast right now <laughs>